there's a verse uh, that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus says this verse. He says, unless you and I can become like a child, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, working with kids as long as I have, I begin to think, well, kids, you know, what kids do, they put their fingers in every hole imaginable, right? Like, the, the nose and the mouth, they go together. You go in one and into the other, right? That's just, like, kids, kids, if you don't think about kids, you have to make them shower. Like, they don't get that they smell. They don't get that they're turning green. Like, you have to make them. Oh, you have to go and shower. Kids, I don't get this. Kids refuse taking naps. Like, honestly, if I could take a nap every day, and I was, like, I'd be in on this. Kids just, come on, that's good preaching right there. Kids, man, just don't get it. Oh, man. But when I think about that verse, I think about we have to become like a child. I think about kids at Christmas time. Like, we had this Christmas outreach a couple weeks ago right here in this building. And uh, had 500 little kids walk through this front door. And it was fun because from where my vantage point was, um, I got to watch these kids come in. And you watched them walk in these front doors and go to these side rooms. And you saw their eyes get as big as softballs when they saw the, the, the tables that had trays and trays and trays of cookies all over the place. You people are good at making cookies, right? Like those cookies were wonderful. These kids, their eyes were as big as softballs. And you watch the kids, they got their little cocoa with little marshmallows, and they came in here, and they sat down, and, and they're watching the fun games, and they've got cocoa all over their face, but they are smiling ear to ear. It was, it was marvelous to watch. I mean, just, just thinking about all the simple things we do at Christmas time. Think about the joy that comes to these kids. You think about the simple things like going and decorating a tree. Like, do you know how exciting that is for kids you think about going and looking at Christmas lights. I don't know if any of you guys do that. We love doing that. Driving around, look at all the lights. And the kids, they, they just glow. Ooh, ah, and exciting. And then there's the gifts and the excitement of the gifts. Man, Christmas just brings out joy out of our, our kids. It's beautiful. I love it. So this Christmas here at Restoration, we've been in a series that we're looking at called Carols where we are looking at Christmas carols, the songs that you and I are so familiar with, the songs that we listen to on the radio, and we can sing along all the words. We're going to look at some of these Christmas carols, but we're going to look at the, the richness in the words that are written in these carols that we are so familiar with. And if you can guess what our theme is today, joy. Joy to the world. little background on this, uh, this Christmas carol, Joy to the World. Joy to, the, Joy to the World was written in 1719 by a dude by the name of Sir Isaac Watts. Sir Isaac Watts was a little bit of a rebel in his day. Back in his day, uh, all you could sing in church was psalms. So you could open up to Psalm chapter 1 and you could put the psalm to, to lyrics. And Isaac Watts was a bit of a rebel. He said, let's do something different. Let's actually write hymns. I know. Like we think we know worship words. He was like the Chris Tomlin of his day, right? So, so he begins to take psalms and paraphrase them into hymns. And so actually this, this carol that we're so familiar with, Joy to the World, which by the way is the most popular Christmas carol out there. Uh, Joy to the World is a paraphrase of Psalm chapter 98. I should have told you to turn there sooner. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm chapter 98. The words will also be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read uh, part of that psalm to you. And I want you to listen to these words. 
uh, became the, the, the background for Joy to the World. Verse 1, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Verse 4, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, uh, with the lyre and the sound of the melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the king, before the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth and he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Isn't that beautiful? Joy to the world. Now, let's just be honest here, though. Let's just be honest. When we think about that song, Joy to the World, when we think about that Psalm 98, when we think about those two things, some of us think they're a little bit naive, right? I mean, I mean, for kids, yeah, we, we get kids. Kids are full of joy. Kids, they love Christmas. The joy comes over them. But we're adults, right? I mean, most of us are adults in here. So we see the world like it really is. And we look at this world and we think... How can I actually sing those words, joy to the world? I mean, think about, I mean, the kids come in, they saw those cookies, and they lit up. But we're adults, right? We know how much work went into making those cookies. And we also recognize all those cookies. Did you see the mess those cookies made? Somebody's got to go and clean up the mess, right? Anybody want to volunteer for that job? I didn't think so. We think about all the things that the kids enjoy, that they enjoy the, the Christmas lights. They enjoy the gifts. And as adults, we think, you know, somebody's got to pay for that. Someone's got to pay for all those gifts. In fact, I read this week that last year, last year, the average American family went $1,057 in debt for Christmas. That's the average. So what I want you to do is, is I want you to send me your, your phone number. I'm going to text you my Christmas gift list. That way, as you're going and spending that 1057 you have some things you can, can look at. That's a joke. Just kidding there. Uh, I mean, we look at these things and we think, you kids, you love them. They bring you such joy. But man, we're adults. We understand what goes into those things. And then, and then we start looking at our society. We start looking at our community. I'll be honest, I, I, I started running. I know I've got some sort of sickness and I just had this idea. I'm going to go run. And I went running at a community park a couple Saturdays ago. Two hours after I left, there was a shooting where a 16-year-old kid died. A community park. 16 years old. You think about what's going on. You listen to the news. You read the newspaper. There has been so many bad things happening in our community. So many kids. So many, so many people dying. It, it, it's terrible. Then you look at, uh, you look at our, our political society, or the political realm, where you've got these two different sides uh, th- that uh, constantly are name-calling each other, constantly blaming the other person, instead of figuring out how do we work together to keep the government from shutting down, right? And somehow, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a racist song. Like, what is wrong with our society? That's terrible. How can we sing joy to the world? Now, then we look at our personal life. We go to our personal life. And for some of us, it seems like for every step forward we make forward, we take two steps backwards. And things are just falling apart all around us. Some of us, we feel like a failure every morning because somehow the elf on the shelf is in the same spot it was last night. I know some of you have no clue what I'm talking about, but I know some of you, I'm preaching right at you, right? Amen to that. You know what I'm talking about. That's real talk. 
Some of you are saying, well, you know, that joy, you know, that's immature, that's kids. You know, I'm, an, I'm mature now. I, I look at things differently. I have to be mature and reserved and put together. So that joy stuff, that's just for kids. I mean, when we look at this Psalm 98, why, why would verse 4 tell us to make a joyful noise, to sing praise to the Lord? Why would, why would verse 5 uh, tell us to make a joyful noise before the king, before the Lord of all creation? We think that psalm tells that the, the world and all the people in the world will roar with praise for God. We think, why? There's all this bad stuff going on. Our world is difficult. So here's our big idea, joy to the world. We can sing joy to the world because that line the Lord has come. We can sing joy to the Lord because joy to the world because the Lord has come. I speak for a living. Here we go. Question is what what, what, what significance does the Lord coming have that that changes our reality that allows us to where we as adults can we can sing joy to the world despite our circumstances, despite what's happening in our society, despite the fact that we're adults and we're mature and we're beyond that childish stuff. This morning, there are three simple thoughts as to why we can sing joy to the Lord, because the Lord has come. Number one for us this morning, we can sing joy to the world because the Lord has come as God in the flesh. The Lord has come as Emmanuel, as God in the flesh. We talked about this last week. The word Emmanuel literally means God with us. In, 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 in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I mean, isn't that great to think that, that God, the, the fullness of God, came down to be with us? I mean, Jesus, we've got to recognize his birth that we celebrate at Christmas time. That, that's not just another birth. That's not just another little baby being born on the world. I mean, I think about... Anybody know what happened on October 27th, 1982? I mean, all of you should have like that day memorialized in your calendar. That's the day I was born. That should be highlighted and circled and all those things for you. But I'll tell you what, like I did some researching this week. October 27th, 1982. There's no newspapers that reported that there was a star, the biggest star in the sky that happened to just hover over my birthplace. I can't find that anywhere. Like, I can't find anywhere that says that there were angels that came to proclaim my birth. There's no shepherds that were leaping and jumping and praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. I can't find anywhere that says there were wise men who joined a caravan and crossed the border to come and worship me. See, Jesus isn't just another baby in town. Jesus was God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, it's no wonder that Psalm 98 says the whole earth roared with praise and worship. Because the, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of our world, stripped himself, stripped himself of glory to come and be with us. You recognize that? I mean, I, I, I think about this. I've got, I've got five kids. I always talk about my kids. I've got five kids. One of the things I've learned with my kids, and I guess one of the things I'm still learning, is that 
Parents, you have to wade into your kid's world. That's just the way it works. Parents, if you want a, a good relationship with your child when they're a toddler, that means you have to get down on your hands and knees and you've got to wrestle with them. You've got to get down on your hands and knees and play trains. Uh, what we like to do is we like to go hands and knees and play football in the hallway. So you tackle each other in the hallway and, and try not hit the lights. Just got to make sure we say that for my wife. I mean, when you have a toddler, you've got to get down to their level. When kids get older, it's the same thing. You've got teenagers. You can't expect your, your kids to, to ascend to your level and to rise up to where you are. You have to descend into their world. Which means you're going to start playing Minecraft. You're going to start playing uh, Fortnite. You're going to learn the Fortnite dances. You know, like the floss thing. You're going to learn those things. Because you're going to descend into their world. Because if, if you want a relationship with your kids. If you want influence with them. You have to wade into their life. Go down to their level. You know what's incredible? It's the fact that God loves us. And wades into our life. Like we, we don't have to ascend up to God. We don't have to go up to him. He has descended to us. And come down to our level. And he has made a way for us to be right with him. Because he's humbled himself to come down. And get on his hands and knees and play with us. And by the way. There's no other religion that has God humbling himself like this. Every other religion says you have to be better than you are right now. You have, to, uh, you have to do more. You have to be better. You have to ascend up to God. But in Christianity, God is the good father who humbles himself, who becomes Emmanuel, God with us, and descends onto our level. And then he goes to the cross to take our sin that allows us to have that relationship with him. And that's incredible. And that's why Isaac Watts wrote that hymn, wrote that carol, and said, let every heart prepare him room. Because of the remarkable, what he's done for us. That God became one of us. That we can celebrate and we can sing joy to the Lord because the Lord has come down to our level. Now, some of you, I know some of you are sitting here saying, that sounds great. Like, it's great. I know God came in the form of Jesus. He's a little baby. That's wonderful. But pastor, my life, my life is falling apart. So pastor, that joy that you're talking about, that's wonderful. But, but it doesn't do much right now because life is hard. Like kids, like we can shelter our kids. We can shelter our kids from, from all the hard things in this world. Our kids, they don't, they, they don't see the bitterness in my marriage. They don't see... The fact that we sleep on opposite sides of the bed and there's nothing in the middle. Our kids, we shelter them from the financial woes in our family. We shelter our kids from the, the fact that we wish we could do more than we really have the ability to do. And so for us as adults, I love the idea of joy to the world, but in my life right now, man, it's hard. Think about joy and a lack of joy in our life. Some of us are in that season where we're looking and saying, man, remember when we were young? Remember all the dreams that we had? The potential we had? We were going to change the world. And now we look at our life and we think, man, what could have been, right? This is where I am now. This is what could have been. And this is where I am. Christmas becomes a magnifier, does it not? It magnifies the pain. 
And so you've got loved ones who have passed away. It becomes magnified at Christmas time. You miss them a little bit more. Magnifies the difficult relationships. You're going to have to get together with the family next week. And some of you are dreading it because that difficulty, that trouble, those problems become magnified at Christmas time. Like, Watts, how could you tell me to sing joy to the world? Well, what's interesting is, is Isaac Watts, the guy who wrote this song, he didn't write this song in a vacuum. In fact, in verse 3, three times he writes about the curse. The curse of sin, the curse of brokenness, the curse of all the problems in our world. And Isaac Watts knew everything about that. Isaac Watts was plagued with disease his entire life. And in fact, when he was at the, his prime, when he was at his prime, he was a pastor. In his prime, he had to resign because physically he could not continue to do what God had called him to because of the diseases that he carried in his body. You ever heard this idea that love is blind? Well, Isaac Watts is uh, thought to be a very unattractive man. He was about five foot tall, and he had a head that was disproportionately bigger than the rest of his body. So if you can think about Megamind, the, the cartoon, I mean, it, it's just not very good. He had this big hooked nose. He had this yellowish skin. Kind of an unattractive guy. Back in that day, though, he fell in love with a, another girl who was a writer. So they're both writers. So they're writing these love letters back and forth. They fell in love with a long-distance relationship. And finally, when they got together, finally, when they met face-to-face, he gets on a, on a knee and he gives her a ring and proposes to her. And she says, um, no. In fact, her quote is this. If only I could admire the casket as much as the jewel it contains. Imagine that. Imagine that. If he's in love with his life, they're definitely in love. And he goes, will you marry me? She goes, oh, heck no. He remained single for the rest of his life because of that. Man. You think about the troubles that he faced. Again, he was writing hymns, which made him a rebel in his day. He had constant opposition of people criticizing him because he was writing hymns. When I surveyed the wondrous cross, written by him, and faced constant criticism because of that. You think, what? Watts, how could you live your life and go through all those difficult things and still write and tell us to sing joy to the world? And we can sing joy to the world this morning, number two. Because the Lord has come so that pain and sin do not have the last word. The Lord has come so that pain and sin do not have the last word. Probably the, my favorite verse out of this song is verse three. It's, song that, it's a verse that isn't sung very often. Verse three of that song says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow for as the curse is found, for as the curse is found, for as, for as the curse is found. See, what, what Watts is doing is he's pointing us to the second coming of Christ. He's pointing us beyond this first coming this Christmas to the second coming when pain and struggle and sin and depression and heartache and divorce and death, they're not a part of our reality anymore. He's saying, I want you to look ahead to when God comes to make all things right. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, uh, even, though, even though we are afflicted in every way, we are perplexed, we are persecuted, we are struck down. He says, we are not destroyed. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for what? For an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. When, uh, as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. He's wanting us to look past this life. That this life isn't just this downhill race where we end six feet under. He's saying, no, listen, if you understand Christ and his second coming, life is all uphill. And there's coming a day, despite our circumstances, when God is going to right all of our wrongs. When God's going to fix what's broken. When God's going to make all things new. I mean, remember what it's like for you to be a kid at Christmas time. For some of you, you've got to think really far back, all the way, you know, a uh, uh, long time ago. But to think, think back to what it was like when you were a child at Christmas. And you knew Christmas break was coming. Think about the excitement and the anticipation. I cannot wait till school's out for two whole weeks. You remember that? Think about the excitement that you would have and the anticipation for everything you do, all the, all the traditions. Think about the excitement for uh, uh, Christmas morning. I mean, I, I remember doing this when I was a kid. Did anybody go to, like, I never went to bed early. As a kid, you always want to stay up as late as you can, right? I mean, at least that's the way it is in my house. But on Christmas Eve, I always wanted to go to bed really early. Because the sooner I went to bed, the sooner I could wake up. Because the anticipation, the excitement of what was coming, right? See, we can sing joy to the world because of what's coming. Because of what's ahead. That even though today is tough, joy to the world. Because there's coming a day when God's going to fix all of that. When things are going to be right. I mean, Revelation 21, I feel like I've uh, been stuck on this verse personally for uh, a couple of months now. Revelation 21 that talks about uh, how God's going to make all things new. Revelation 21, here's, here's what Revelation 21 says. Verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And listen to this, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. See, some of us are in that season where life is difficult. It's hard. We're suffering. We're struggling. Listen, we can sing joy to the world because there's coming a day when there's no more racism. There's coming a day when there's no more hatred. There's coming a day where we don't have to read in the newspaper of another mass shooting. There's coming a day when there's no more fights with your spouse. There's no more rebellious kids. There's no more sickness. There's no more hospitals. There's no more funerals. There's no more graveyards. There's no more pain. There's no more depression. There's no more alcoholism. There's no more locking your doors. There's no more getting together with your family at Christmas and having arguments over political issues. There's no more well-done steaks. Amen to that. There's coming a day when God's going to make all things right because of Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas time, listen, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in despair. 
You don't have to suffer through agony. Because if we surrender to Christ, that in the midst of our suffering, we can still sing joy to the world because the Lord has come. He's come to take the curse. And he's coming back. And he's preparing a place for us right now. He's coming back to fix all that's gone wrong. So today we can stand and sing because of that. Number three for us this morning. We can sing joy to the Lord because the Lord has come to reveal God's love to us. Because he has come to reveal God's love to us. Again, Psalm chapter 98, the psalm that birthed this song, this carol that we're singing, Joy to the World. The end of that chapter of Psalm 98 says this, verse 8. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. Here we go. Verse 9. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness. And he will judge the peoples with equity. See, there's this mantra in our society going around that says, only God can judge me. Anybody ever heard that? You see that on t-shirts or on uh, bumper stickers, whatever. Only God can judge me. Might surprise you, but there's some truth in that. Now, I know, I know uh, uh, there is, there's some truth that us as Christians can learn from that saying right there. Only God can judge me. Because too often, Christians, we become very judgmental to the world around us. Listen, if you are new here at Restoration Church, let me just say, man, I'm glad you're here. You are, are, are welcomed. I hope that when you came in today, you didn't feel judged. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Listen, you're loved. You are welcomed. You are accepted. I want to know you. We want to know you. There's only one judge, and it's not me or any of us. God alone will judge us. But don't, don't miss the idea out of Psalm chapter 98. Because you will be judged. Not by me. Every one of us will be judged by God. Listen, God doesn't judge on a human scale. God doesn't judge on that scale where he weighs the good versus the bad. And whichever one is a little bit higher, there's, there, there's your standing with God. I mean, do you understand how ridiculous that is? That idea of the scale? I mean, just, just imagine, just imagine you and I, we had this week, all right? We had this week, okay? And let's just imagine that I told a lie about you this week. Let's imagine that you told me some secrets of going on in your life and I told other people about them. Let's just, let's just imagine that I made fun of you. Three bad things I did to you, okay? But on the other side, well, I bought you coffee one day. Um, I, uh, I complimented your outfit, that you were well put together. Um, I, I gave you my, my good parking spot. I gave you the better parking spot. And the kicker here, I didn't just like your post on social media. I mean... I actually commented on it as well. There we go. Four good things. So my good outweigh the bad, right? We're tight. We're good, right? No, that's ridiculous. You'd be like, you're an idiot. I'm going to unfriend you as quick as I can. I'm going to unfriend you to protect you from myself. Because those don't outweigh each other. That's not the way it works. See, God, when he judges, it says he judges righteously. He judges fairly. Or it doesn't matter if the good outweighs the bad. Because if there's bad, the bad deserves punishment. So you know what that means? For every sin, for every lie that you told, it doesn't matter if it was a big lie 
or a little fib, exaggeration of the truth. For every lie, for every time you verbally throw up on somebody, you ever verbally throw up on someone? Listen, whether they deserve it or not, or whether you do it to their face, or whether you just do it under your breath to yourself, every time, every time you cheated, every time you stole, every time you knew the right thing to do, but you did the opposite anyways, Every one of those things deserves punishment. Every one of those sins deserves punishment. And Romans 6 says that the wages of sin, what we deserve for our sin is death. It's not a scale of good and bad. It's a scale of bad needs to be punished. It needs to be dealt with. But here's the great news. Verse 4 of that song, Joy to the World. I love this verse. It says, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. See, the birth of Jesus is more than just a a supernatural display of God's power. The birth of Jesus had a purpose, and it's truth and grace. The birth of Jesus had a purpose, and that's to display the wonders of God's love. The wonders of God's love that we don't have to ascend up to God. We don't have to make ourselves better. We don't have to to be a better person. The wonders of his love is that he descends down to us and has, has made a way for us to be right with him. The wonders of his love is that he gives us grace that we don't deserve. The wonders of his love is that he lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. That he always told the truth. That he never let someone have it under their breath. That he never fibbed. He never exaggerated the truth. The wonders of his love is that on the cross, he took our sin upon himself. All those bad things we did, he took those upon himself. The wonders of his love is that he took our shame. That he endured the judgment that we deserved on the cross. The wonders of his love is that he paid our penalty in full in our place. The wonders of his love is that it's displayed in the Christ that makes us whole. That is the wonders of his love. And I love that song. We sing this song. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Can I just say this morning? I don't want you just to prepare your heart to give him room. I want you to give him him your life. Because listen, if you are found in him, if your life is found in him, there's nothing for you to ever worry about. He has taken your sin. He has taken your shame. He has taken your judgment on that cross. Oh, we can sing joy to the world because the Lord has come. He's come as God in the flesh. Because he's come so that way sin and death and pain don't have the last word. And because he's come to reveal his love through us, to us on the cross. I want to give you a challenge this week. What does it look like for you to become a joyful person this week? I mean, do you ever notice this? You ever, you ever meet somebody and you're around them? And they're, they're, they're just so joyful. And you're like, man, I love being around them. They make me feel so good. I, 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 it's contagious. Am I right? Joy is contagious. What would happen? Christmas is eight, nine days away. 
What would happen for the next week and a half till Christmas? What if joy became your mantra? What if joy wasn't just something you sang? What if joy became the way that you lived your life? That you chose joy? How would that affect the people around you? I mean, wouldn't that be the best gift that you could give to everybody around you? Joy. I mean, you got that depressed person at work, that coworker who's just always down, dreads the holidays because they know they're going to be alone. Listen, what if you lived with joy this week? And when they say, man, what's wrong with you? You must got into the Christmas spirit, you know? And say, I did because the Lord has come. The Lord has, has descended down to our level. So listen, you don't have to be alone. Because God is Emmanuel. God is with you. What would happen if, if, if you made joy your mantra for the next week and a half? And you get together with your family. You've got that family member. That family member, man, their life is, in, is a wreck. They're shame. And they come to the family gathering knowing everybody's going to judge me. Everybody's going to pick on me. Maybe that's you. Maybe you go to the family gathering and that's you. Listen, what if joy became your mantra? Where you said, you know what? Christ came to set us free. I'm not defined by what, I'm, what I've done. I'm defined by what Christ has done in my place. What if your life was defined by the wonders of his love instead of all the times that you failed and all the times that you screwed up? How would that affect that person in your family? That they could actually feel loved. What if you made joy your mantra? And so those people that are going through the hard season of life, Listen, what if you just settle on Christ is enough? Christ is enough that I'm going through a hard season, but I don't have to have my my head buried in the sand. I can look forward to that long-term view that Christ has come to deal with the curse and Christ is coming back to fix all that's gone wrong. And this may be a hard season right now, but praise God, he's coming to make it right. And what if we made joy our mantra? Or maybe that verse that we talked about first today, Matthew 18, when Jesus said, unless you become like a child. What if you said, you know what? I'm going to be like that kid at Christmas. Be filled with joy. Allow joy to be exuded in my smile, in my interactions with how I live. Listen, Restoration Church, we can sing joy to the world because the Lord has come. That means you and I, we can stand and we can sing today because God is Emmanuel, God with us. We don't have to ascend ourselves to him. He has descended to us to allow us to have our relationship with him. He's come down to our level. Listen, we can stand and sing today that despite the hard things going on, despite the pain. Listen, I know that pain myself. We can sing because we know the end of the story. We know that there's coming a day when he's going to make it right. Listen, Restoration Church, we can stand and sing today because we get to experience the wonders of his love, of what Christ did for us on the cross. That the grace and the truth 
and the love and the peace and the freedom that we search for, that we long for, it is found through the wonders of his love. And that gives us the ability to stand and sing and to live this week with a life that says joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let's pray.